This morning we are in Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. When we were last in Luke, we looked at a story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Next week, Lord willing, we will look at the story of the rich young ruler. But this week we look at three verses about children. And even more than children, about what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. These three stories are connected. We'll look a bit more at that later. But if you would please give your attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely without error. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. And the word of the Lord is completely authoritative. Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray together. O Lord our God. We ask, O Lord, that you would speak this morning to us. Speak to us through your word. Teach us more and more about yourself. Teach us more and more about ourselves. But more than that, O Lord, use your word to refine us. To show us the Lord Jesus Christ. To show us an end of ourselves. And to form us more and more in the image of Christ. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, this morning we are looking at a story about children. Children are important to us on some level, aren't they? They evoke in us emotion almost immediately. And I don't just mean the kind of emotion that gets to us when we are on our last nerve or when we are a bit perturbed at what is going on. No, I think our natural way of thinking about children is the way we think about when we see a newborn baby. It's almost impossible, isn't it, to see a newborn baby and to look at the baby and not make the sound. Aww. And to not say how cute the child is, how beautiful, how Radiant. Being around children, especially newborns, just makes us feel better about ourselves, doesn't it? And this morning Jesus is going to talk about children, but Jesus is not trying to give us that kind of hallmark moment. He's not trying to give us something that would be fit for a greeting card or simply to pluck the strings Of our emotions. No, what Jesus is doing here is he wants us to see what it means 
to be his disciple. He's going to be telling us that in order to truly be his disciple, we must be like a child. And so this morning in these three short verses, I'd like us to see three things. The first thing we can find out from this story is the importance of children. That children are important to our Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing is that Jesus points to us the necessity of being as a child. If we are to be his disciples, we must be as a child. And the third thing that we see is, in order to follow Jesus, we must receive the kingdom as a child. So let's begin then by looking at the importance of children. This is an incident here in which some families were were not told whether it was mothers and fathers or, or just one parent, bring children to Jesus. And this is something that should point out to us that Jesus finds children important, that Luke finds children important, important enough to discuss them, to put them in front of us. And this is, I think, on some level, a good reminder of the contrast between the biblical view of children and society's view of children. That children, according to God's word, are important. Now, society will indeed pay lip service to the idea that that children are important. It's almost impossible to hear any politician speak for more than two or three minutes and not hear the phrase, the children are our future. Or not to speak to someone who's trying to convince you of something and to say, I really think we need to do this for the children. Whether it's spend more money or build things or go places. I almost wonder whether I could perhaps get the ability to purchase a sports car if I just claimed that I had to do it for the children. You know, so that they could see me drive by fast in a red car. They would encourage them. Almost anything that we want to pluck at is done by evoking the children. We see this also with advertising, don't we? Children are constantly put in front of us to try to get us to desire something, to buy something, to want something, to find something as important. Pictures are put in front of us to evoke a response from us. Have you ever wondered why in videos that ask for disaster relief or for funding for people out in various places in the world, they never put grandma and grandpa on the screen? It's always children. Because they know on some level we are drawn to children. But the sad truth is that while society will pay this lip service, the reality of it is that we live in a society that does not really value children. We see this first and foremost in the way that our society makes attacks upon marriage and the family. The very core of what it means to protect and to grow a child. Society continues to undermine this support for children. There are attacks on marriage that have begun well before so-called homosexual marriage. No, attacks on marriage go back decades with rampant divorce, adultery, 
we see people caring more about themselves than about children. They may pay lip service, but when it comes down to it, they're more concerned with themselves. But perhaps, I think, the most obvious attack on children that we see in our society today is the attack upon the life of the unborn. Since 1973, there have been more than 60 million persons killed. 60 million. Now, I don't say this to make light of the Holocaust, but if you understand that figure, that is about 10 times more than those killed in the Holocaust. And yet the surprising thing is that our society acts as if it doesn't even exist. We hear about attacks in other parts of the world and we are outraged. We read in the newspaper or see on the internet that Christians are thrown off of a boat into the ocean and are killed. And we are rightfully outraged. And yet, since this sermon has begun, more children have been killed in the womb. A hundredfold more than have perished in that incident. Our society may speak about the importance of children, but at the end of the day, when children get in the way of our own happiness, of our vacationing, of our work, it's far too often the children who are made to suffer. And this is bound up, I think, in some level in our hearts because we see this with the disciples even here this morning. Look with me at verse 15. Now people are bringing these infants to Jesus. And when the disciples saw it, what do they do? They rebuke the parents. Do you see that? They intervene and they stand in the way. Now you have to grasp this image in your mind's eye. I want you to picture Peter. The strong, stocky man with his beard. I want you to picture James and John, the apostle of love. And I want you to picture them standing in the doorway and telling parents to get out. Your kids are too loud. Jesus needs to rest. Why are you keep bringing them here? Why is she crying? Why don't he put those things down? You could just imagine. They don't want the children in the midst. And they actually go further than that. Because the text tells us that they don't just intervene, they actually rebuke the parents. They use strong language. They accuse them of doing something wrong by bringing the children to Jesus. Now why is this? I think perhaps first and foremost it's probably that they believe that Jesus is too busy to be bothered with children. Jesus is a busy man with great missions and tasks. He needs to speak to important people. He's the Messiah. He's the one that's going to redeem Israel. He's going to overthrow the Roman oppressors. He's going to make everything right. He does not have time for babies. And there's an extension to this. You see, it's not just that they think Jesus is too busy. It's that they think they are too busy. They don't have time for this. Children are are too insignificant to them. They don't 
register on the scale. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes that is exactly what takes over our lives, isn't it? You may have heard of the famous pair of diaries of a man and his son on how they took a day together. The son wrote in his diary, got up early and spent time with dad. We went out fishing. Dad showed me all the best ways to fish. Caught a bunch of fish. Was a wonderful time. Then we walked home and talked as we walked to our house. Had lunch together. This was the best day ever. And the father's diary read a little differently. Got up earlier than I wanted to this morning. I told my son I'd take him out fishing. Went out there and the mosquitoes were biting. My son couldn't figure out how to cast the line. I had to show him four times. Couldn't figure out how to catch any fish. I had to do it all for him. Then we had a miserable hot walk back and ate a cold lunch. What a waste of a day. You see, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes that is what is resident in our hearts. We live in such a busy world with so much that is important, and we have so much self-importance bound up in our being that we don't view children as important. But Jesus does. Do you see that here? Now, this is only three verses, but you have to also understand that this story is included by not only Luke, but also by Matthew, and also by Mark. All three gospel writers bring us this story. It's important to them, and therefore it must be important to us. You see, because what Jesus is doing here, much of what he is doing, is correcting our worldview. He is showing us what the biblical worldview toward children is. He's just following in line with the Old Testament. For the psalmist writes in Psalm 8, he says, Out of the mouths of babies and infants you have established praise. So Jesus wants us to see the children are important. The people had come and brought children to him. The language makes it clear that this was not a one-off event. Look with me again here at verse 15. Luke says, Now they were bringing even infants to him. Now Luke specifically does not link this to a time and a place. Do you notice that? We can't say exactly when this is happening. And that's because the verb that is used here is a continual verb. It is something that happened often. It was something that was a part of Jesus' everyday life. Maybe not each and every day, but people would do this often. Jesus wanted this to happen. It was a frequent event because children were important to him. Now this is so very different from every other so-called religion, isn't it? When was the last time you heard children emphasized by Islam? Or Buddhism? Hinduism. That saying there is even beyond the old saying, children are to be seen and not heard. In many other religions, children are neither to be seen nor heard. They don't register. They're not important at all. 
But Jesus reorients us. He tells us that we are to treat children with importance because after all, they are made in the image of God, aren't they? They are worthy of our protection. We need to declare in the world the truth of God's word that children are a heritage from the Lord, that they are a blessing, a reward from God, as we read in Psalm 127. And children are more than just a generic blessing. They are a part of the covenant community. That's what makes baptism so important. That's what's happening here with Jesus. You see, people are bringing children to Jesus to show that they respect Him as a rabbi, as a teacher, as someone who deals with God's Word. And He is to pray for them and to bless them. And they want this for their children because they are a part of the people of Israel. We must focus on children just like Jesus does. We have a duty to them, don't we? We are to pray for our children. We are to teach them God's word. Children are an important part of the covenant community. But children are more than just important in a generic sense. Jesus is also teaching us how we need to be As children. This is far more than mere sentimentality. Jesus actively desires the children to come to him. His language is very strong. He says, let the little children come to me. He's giving the disciples a command. And then he says, do not hinder them. Do not stand in their way. I want them to come to me. Why? Is it because Jesus thinks children are cute? Is it because Jesus wants to play a game of coochie-coochie-coo with the cute baby? No. Look at what Jesus says. He says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. This is not emotionalism. This is not some sort of generic goodness. No, Jesus is telling us that if we are to know about the kingdom of God, if we are to be his disciple, if we are to relate to our heavenly father, then we must be as a child. What is a child like? Well, I think the first thing that it means to be a child is to be dependent Luke actually highlights this for us because Luke is the only one of the three gospel writers that uses a second word for child in this text. There is a main word for child that is used later in this text in verses 16 and 17. But in verse 15, Luke uses a word that neither Matthew or Mark do. It's a word that is sort of the equivalent of our word toddler or infant. And you know there's a difference between a a child and a toddler or an infant. If I ask you if you would not mind watching or sitting for my child, that's one thing. But if I say, would you please watch my toddler or my infant, a whole other set of things goes through your mind. And it's those set of things that Luke wants us to understand because 
What are infants like? What are young children like? How are young children in common throughout all of the world, whether in Africa or Asia or Europe or America? Every young child is completely and utterly helpless. Aren't they? They're dependent upon others for everything. The youngest of children can't even move. If you put them in a spot and walk away, when you come back, they will still be there. Think of how proud you were the first time your child rolled over or crawled a step or two. Children are completely and utterly dependent upon others. They can't provide for their daily needs. Children can't feed themselves. They can't clothe themselves. They can't even clean themselves. If it were not for others, they would perish. Now, and this is not circumstantial or something that is of a short duration. This is a matter of life and death. Children would not be able to eat or to stay warm without help from others. And it's not over in a day or two, is it? It lasts for some time. They need assistance with eating and clothing and cleaning. Some of us realize this lasts so long that it goes well into the teen years. But you see, the truth of it is that children are not able to do anything for themselves. And Jesus is telling you that that's the attitude you must have. But you object. What do you mean? I can certainly feed myself. Can you? Where did you get the food? Oh, oh, I made it myself. I went out in my, in my backyard and I, I made a garden and I watered and I hoed. And, and that's how I got food for myself. Really? How did you create rain? Or seeds? Or earth? Or nutrients? How did you create your ability to even do that work? You see, we have to realize that everything that we have and everything that we can do comes from the Lord. If we are to understand truly what it is like to be in a relationship with God, we must be like a child. We must understand we are completely dependent. The kingdom of God belongs to those who declare a declaration of dependence, not of independence. Children are completely dependent. They also have nothing to boast in, do they? The youngest of children have no real status. They don't even usually have a picture ID. They have nothing to claim or boast about in what they've done. They have no works to show their value. They're completely without status or deeds. And what Jesus is doing here is he is directly challenging our default position. Because you see, our default position you will find if your eyes move up two or three verses. It's the position of the Pharisee. That we have done worthy deeds. That God owes us. That he is our debtor. And what Jesus is saying to us is, we are completely dependent. We have nothing to bring to God. We must be like a young child. 
What a picture that is. I'm sure you've had the experience of getting work out of your child. You know, when you took your young child and got assistance in cooking or in working in the yard. You see, all of our greatest works, all of our biggest churches, all of our best missionaries, all of our greatest accomplishments are like a four-year-old helping make scrambled eggs. We make more mess than we do work. And that's what Jesus wants us to see. Is that if we are to truly be a part of the kingdom of God, we must understand that we must be like a child, completely dependent upon our Heavenly Father, completely avoiding any claim on worth. This is what it means to be as a child. But there's something more that Jesus says here in verse 17. He says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It's not just that we must be as a child, we must receive the kingdom as a child. Now, we have to first resist one error that will creep into our way of thinking. When Jesus says we are to receive the kingdom as a child, he is not saying that we must make some kind of return to childlike innocence. Because there is no such thing. The Bible is very clear that all children are sinners. Every child is a descendant of their first father, Adam. David writes in Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. And Paul is clear when he says, All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. There is no exception there. Now, I don't need to give you a theological lesson to convince you that children are sinful. All I need to do is to remind you what it is like have an infant at home. An infant is the definition of one that is me-centered. When the baby is hungry, what does the baby do? It screams until it gets your attention and gets what it wants. Can you explain to the infant that you're tired or sick? Or that it's not the right time? Of course not. A child is completely enveloped in itself. Anyone who has had a child knows this. So we don't want to have sentimentality. We don't want to think there's some kind of return to innocence. Children are sinners. But what Jesus means when he says we must receive the kingdom as children is that we must have total trust in our Heavenly Father. Could you imagine if I brought in here a bodybuilder, or a weightlifter, and asked him to do with you what most fathers do with their children. Throw you up in the air. Spin you around by your leg. Have you stand on his hands and push you up so you're standing. I mean, really, what fathers do is sometimes insane. And moms don't like it usually. They tend to like to be in other rooms when that's going on. 
But you know who's not worried about that? The child. The child can't even imagine that anything bad would happen. How could anything bad happen when dad is using you like a human helicopter? What could possibly go wrong? We, this is great. And you see, what that requires is complete and utter trust. The child trusts the father so much that the child can't even imagine anything wrong happening. And what Jesus is saying is, that is how we must receive the kingdom of God. Children are not jaded skeptics. They don't wonder what someone is trying to get out of them. And there's something else that's very encouraging about children. They actually believe what you tell them. Don't they? You could tell them the weirdest or oddest of things, and they'll just take it as the truth and go on. And you have to be careful what you tell them, don't you? Because if you tell them things that are crazy, they will go out and tell their friends. And they will believe you with such vigor that they will fight with other people. No. My dad said the first president was Michael Jackson. And that's who it was. Don't you say anything wrong. Right? They believe what you tell them. Now, think about that with our relationship with our father. Are we looking at his word and wondering what God is going to get out of us by redeeming us? Are we wondering what his angle is? Are we wondering if what he said is really true? Are we demanding of him proof that he show us in ways that we want before we believe? Jesus says, of such is not the kingdom of heaven. We must believe what God has said. We must trust Him at His word. We must understand that He has authority. Children believe promises, don't they? That actually comes back to bite us. How many times have you heard in a voice that I can't even muster the appropriate amount of whininess? But you promised. And that ends the matter. Right? That's the child's whole argument. Do we believe the promises of God? Do we trust Him at His word? Do we follow what He has given to us? You see, Jesus is emphasizing this. He is making the point. Look at the beginning here of verse 17. He says, truly I say to you. The word here for truly, do you know what it is? It's amen. Jesus is drawing a line under this. He wants us to see this. He wants us to hear this. And he universalizes it. He says, whoever... With no exception, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter in. It is exclusionary. You cannot do anything else. You must do this. And Luke intentionally puts this story right here. Because right before it, in verses 9 to 14, Jesus is telling us about a disciple and their necessity of knowing their need. Knowing that they do not have the ability. Knowing that they are lost without others. And after this, at verses 18 to 30, 
We see that a disciple must act on his faith. But here Jesus is telling us what that faith looks like. It is a childlike trust that never wavers, that never questions, that at the feet of the Father believes and trusts the promises of God, that each and every one are amen and yes in Jesus. There is a genuine acceptance to the way that children receive things. And this is also what Jesus wants us to see. Do you remember birthday parties with your kids? Or Christmas morning? I'm sure you've had the experience on Christmas morning where you give your child a wrapped gift and they say, oh, you know, I don't know. This looks like a pretty big gift. It's going to take up too much space in my room. I don't think I really need this now. It's too much work to open. You know, now what does a child do when you give a child a gift? It takes it. He grabs it. He opens it up. He says it's the best thing. He's been wanting it forever. Right? He doesn't say, why did you give me this? Did you give me this Christmas present because you want me to clean my room? A child just receives what's given. That's what Jesus is telling you. Are you receiving what's given? The salvation that's found in Jesus Christ is free. It doesn't require praying five times in a position. It doesn't require going to Mecca. It doesn't require chanting twice a day. It doesn't require working and sweating and slaving. The salvation that is found in Jesus Christ is a free gift of the Father that we might know Him and that we might love Him and serve Him. Receive like a child. Children receive, and children also are not afraid to show love, are they? Are children embarrassed to hug their parents in public? At least not young children. They don't worry about their own status. They don't worry about their position. They don't worry about being embarrassed. This is what our Heavenly Father calls us to. Are you ready to be as a child? Are you ready to receive the kingdom of God like a child? You see, the word here that Jesus uses, receive, actually is a bit broader than just getting something. It has built into it the idea of receiving with welcome, receiving with joy. Are you ready to welcome the kingdom of God? Are you ready to welcome the gospel of Jesus Christ? That the world is not all about you. That it's about Him. Jesus has very strong words here. If you are not ready to welcome the King as a child, you shall not enter the kingdom. It's the most forceful expression in all of the Greek language. No how. No way, Jose. Not a chance. Jesus wants to be very clear with us. He's speaking of things of life and death. You must be as a child that tells you that you are precious 
You are made in the image of God. Do not let anyone ever tell you you do not have worth, for you have worth in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. You must know dependence upon God. You must trust Him. And you must receive what He gives. The good news of the Gospel is that the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ is so free and so easy that you have to be like a child to receive it. Let's pray.